Well, it's an honor for me to be here, um, to be here with my family. We are very, uh, very, very proud to be here. Thank you for um, inviting us. I have been before. Uh, some of you may remember. And um, I think the church has grown uh, since I was last year. Uh, so many new and old faces, <laughs> uh, familiar faces, rather. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's better. Um, and uh, it's, like I said, really, really lovely. Uh, it's just wonderful, you know, to be here to share the word of God uh, with you. Um, what I was going to say, as we were worshiping now, I, there, was, there was a word that came to me. It's, you know, where it says that uh, it's one day in your, in your courts, is, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I, I just want you to know that you are in the best place that you could be right now. You know, you are where God is. You are in the presence of God, you know, and God is here to do you good. You know, he's here to, you know, like we, we sang, he's a good, good father, and he's here to do us good, okay? So I just pray that, uh, you know, yes, you, your hearts will be receptive, you know, to receive all that God um, has for you and me, all of us today, in Jesus' name. Okay, I'll start this timer on. And uh, yeah, we're off. So we're going to be talking about possessing. Today we're going to be talking about possessing our promised land. That's, 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 the, uh, that's the topic of discussion today. And uh, I want to start by saying this, that God always has far bigger plans for our lives than we do for ourselves. I'm sure we all agree with that. Yeah. Yes? He has far, far, far bigger plans um, for us than we do for ourselves. That's because he is limitless. God is limitless, you know, and, and, and the way he thinks, you know, his thoughts for us are, are, are grand, you know, they are, they are, they are, they are, he thinks on a, on a grand scale compared to us. In Isaiah, he said, you know, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, you know, and my ways are not your ways, you know, as high as the heavens, you know, is from the earth, so, you know, my, my, my thoughts or my ways are higher than yours. So, um, when he... Um, he came to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 15. He came, Bible says, in Genesis chapter 15, he came to Abraham. It was called Abraham then, in a vision. And he um, said the word of God came to him in a vision. And he was having this dialogue or this conversation with, with Abraham. And um, basically, Abraham started complaining and said, you know, God, I'm childless. You know, I've got no child. And um, the person who's going to inherit my estate is going to be my servant, Eliezer. It says in, in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5 that God took him outside. You know, said, Come outside. And, and told him, look up to the sky and count the stars. He said, if you can indeed count them. He said, so shall your offspring be. I think Abraham's eyes must have nearly popped out, you know. <laughs> um, but credit to him, the Bible says that he did believe God. He did believe God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay. Um, then sometime later, after Isaac was born, and um, actually he had, he, had, he had given him a test, you know, tested him to see if he was willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Um, God reiterated that same promise, but he actually extended it this time. All right? And that's uh, found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. And this is what it says. It says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. That was the original promise. And then he extends it. He said, he said and the sand on the seashore. Sorry, on the uh, seashore. He said, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. I was like, wow. 
So, so, so Abraham was like, God, I'm childless. You know, just give me one son. You know, somebody to inherit my estate. That's, that's, that's all I want. You know, God says, I'm going to make you a nation. You know, and your descendants will be as numerous as, you know, as the, um, you know, as the stars in the sky or the sun on the seashore. Your descendants, your descendants will be uncountable. So, so God had a far, far bigger plan for Abraham that Abraham had for himself. And, and the same applies to all of us. The same applies to all of us. Um, the, the plans and promises that God, you know, has over our lives, they are immense. You know, compared to what, you know, what we think for ourselves, they, they are huge. You know, they, they are far bigger than what we can even dare to ask or imagine, like we were praying. Um, and it's not an exaggeration at all. It's actually, the, you know, that's what the truth of the word of God. So in Psalm 139, David was, was uh, contemplating you know, if you remember Psalm 139, he was saying, fearfully and wonderfully made. He was contemplating, you know, all these, these thoughts and plans of God for his life. And this is what he wrote. Psalm 139, yes, that's it, verse 17 and 18. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were right to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Okay, and when I'm awake, I'm still with you. Um, if, if you read, if you read, uh, these verses in, 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 in NIV, which is there is actually, there is a, uh, there's a footnote on verse 17, okay? And, and it renders that verse 17 like this. It says, how amazing are your thoughts concerning me? God has amazing thoughts, you know, for each and every one of us. Sometimes we think of ourselves, you know, as, you know, as whatever, you know, so low or whatever. But God has amazing thoughts, you know, concerning all of us. Um, but the, the, the part I want to draw attention to is really in verse 18, where it says, were I, were, I, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Is that not similar to what, you know, we read before earlier? You know, with Abraham, the promise God made to Abraham in Genesis 22. He said, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Um, how many times have you ever, anybody here, ever bothered to count the sand, <laughs> you know, in, in uh, South Sea Beach or somewhere. Well, I know there's many pebbles there. <laughs> but uh, even, even, you know, yes, or any sea, any, um, any beach, you know, it's uncountable. It's immeasurable, you know. That's the measure of the scale of the thoughts God has, you know, towards us. Um, like I said, you know, compared to what we think for ourselves is, is far, far, far greater. And uh, it's like when God wanted to deliver the, um, his people from Egypt. Um, we, know, we all know the story how they were, you know, as slaves, you know, they were slaves in Egypt, you know, and they were, you know, um, under the uh, rule of Pharaoh, and they were in bondage there. Uh, so God came to uh, Moses, didn't he? I said, I want you to go and set my people free. Um, so he said, yeah, you know, I just want to see how clearly God's intentions were for his, how he specified, spelled out his intentions for them. He said he was going to take them to a, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, remember these guys are slaves. You know, they've been under subjugation all their life, or most of their life. He said, I want to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that phrase, it just means, you know, the land was a, was a fertile land. You know, it was rich in, you know, natural and mineral resources. And um, it was a blessed land, a fertile land. So let's look at uh, Genesis, sorry, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read verses 7 and 8. Exodus chapter 3, 7 and 8. 
and then we're going to also read verse 17 in a minute. But, but listen, listen to what it says. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And then in verse 17, he reiterates the thing. God always repeats himself. <laughs> um, in verse 17, he says the same thing again. Um, and I've promised... That's verse 17. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I've promised to bring you out of your misery in, um, in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. So you see, the promised land was meant to be for the Israelites, God's people, a place of abundance. Yeah, a place where they didn't have, you know, scarcity or lack or limitation. It was meant to be a place of freedom. You know, no more chains of, of bondage or oppression. You know, no more whips on their backs. You know, boots, on, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, to keep them up. Um, it was meant to be a place of victory, a place of joy. Do, do you know what that honey in the land flowing with milk and honey stands for? It stands for sweetness. Pleasantness, you know, delightfulness, you know, good things, things that they can enjoy. Um, so it was meant to be all that for his people. It was meant to be a place of rest. And those were God's plans for his people then. And that's what God's plans for his people now as well. Praise God. John 10.10. 10, the thief comes but only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might what? Have life and have it what for? Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's, that's, that's God's plan for us. That's God's desire for us. Um, and, it's, you know, he makes it so clear. He makes it so clear. Um, so going back to um, the promise that God gave, um, or the, um, the, his intention for the Israelites, in terms of the size, or, you know, the, of the physical land mass, you know, of the promised land, um, just to give you an idea how big it was, there were at least 10 nations um, occupying that land, okay? So in Genesis 15, 18 to 21, we see a list of those nations. This is when God made a covenant with Abraham. It was still Abraham, I think, at that time. So on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadomites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, <laughs> Amorites, Canaanites, Gigashites, and Jebusites. So, ten, so, it, so it was a big land, it was a big area. Because I want, this, this, this is where I want you to, you know, to occupy, to dwell. And um, God confirmed to Joshua as well the, the, the boundaries of the land, you know, just before they were about to enter it. So they were not in any doubt. So they were not confused in any way. Okay, so let's go at Joshua 1 verse 22 and 4. This is God speaking. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the Great River, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. So, so he gave them, you know, like I said, the scope, you know, he, you know and it was... So they will not be, you know, like I say, confused. Is this my land? Is this where God wants? He gave them, you know, um, a good idea of where they were going. Uh, but now we're coming to the crux of the message. Um, 
which is that God had given the Israelites the land. It was his express intention, his plan, his desire, his will for them to dwell in that land and enjoy you know, all the bountiful, bountiful riches of the land. But then they still had to go in and possess it. That, you know, that's, they still had to go still go in and possess it. He told them, you know, anywhere you, uh, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. So they still had to go in there. <laughs> you know, they couldn't stay outside. I said, that's my life. I said, go anywhere you go. You know, anywhere you step, set your foot, I've given it to you. Um, but the sad reality is that although, the sad reality is that dude, although they possessed some of it, they never did possess the entire land. They never did. Um, now, I read this on the internet, so I don't know how, how, how accurate it is, but, uh, so don't quote me, okay? <laughs> but apparently, apparently, the land God had promised them, yeah, in size was about 300,000 square miles. Uh, but the Israelites only managed to conquer about 3,000 um, square miles, so only 10% of the land. Um, so, so there was a big chunk. And we're going to read... Um, just to back it up in scripture, John, Joshua chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 to 5, sort of a few verses there, but just to show you that, yeah, there was a, a big chunk that they didn't occupy. So it says this, Joshua, Joshua 13, we have that? Uh, okay, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I thought I sent it, that's all right. So I'll, I'll just read it, Joshua chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there, is, there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. All the regions of the Philistines and the Geshurites, from the Shehor River to the, on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north, all of it counted as Canaanites, although held by five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Eshkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Ara of the Sidonians, as far as Afek, and the border of the Amorites, the area of Biblos, and all Lebanon to the east, from Balgad be below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's lots of, <laughs> lots of um, names there. Um, but it, it was a big chunk that they still hadn't possessed. Um, which you can see is a shame, isn't it? Because God had given them the land. He wanted them to have the land. It was his desire. It was his, it was his intention or his will for them to have the land. Um, but they, 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 they didn't manage to um, possess all of it. Um, so let, let's bring this home. Okay? As, as covenant people of God, as new covenant, New Testament you know, believers, new covenant people of God, uh, we also have promises from God that reveal his, his will and, and desires and intentions for, for our lives. And um, we're going to read these uh, verses in Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, which says, ah, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, praise God, who called us by his own glory and goodness. And then verse 4, uh, through these, he's, uh, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you, will, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, so under the new covenant, we don't necessarily have a physical location uh, like the Israelites did under the old covenant, yeah? 
But we have these promises. We have these promises. <laughs> Our promised land. <laughs> we have these promises, um, which great and precious promises that we can stand upon. Yeah, just like they had to set foot on the land. We can stand upon these promises, okay, to, um, to activate that abundant and victorious and overcoming life that God has for us. Second uh, Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this. Is that there? Good. It says, <laughs> listen, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So that through him, the amen is spoken by us. By who? By us to the glory of, of, of God. So, so all the wonderful promises of God from Genesis to Revelation, old and new, they find their fulfillment in Christ. Praise God. You know, they, he, he perfectly fulfills them all. And because we are in him, those promises are accessible to us too. You know, they are our portion and our heritage, you know, as children of God. You know, as people who belong to him, who, have, who are united with him. You know, um, um, because we are one together in, in him, in the spirit. Um, now, there's something else I want us to see, and we're not kind of running up, really. But there's something else I want us to see. That under the old covenant, yeah, let's go back to uh, those, these days. Before the Israelites entered the promised land, God gave them what, I've, what I call a recipe for success that would enable them to take possession of the land. And we find that in Joshua chapter 1, 6 to 9. Okay, and we're going to read that. Joshua 1, 6 to 9. He says, Be strong. And courageous, because you will lead this. This is God talking to Joshua, yeah. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land as well to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? <laughs> he repeats it again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Praise God. So that's the recipe God gave them, you know, before they entered the land. He said, you know, if you follow this, um, this recipe, <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna achieve success. You know, you're going to achieve, you know, what, um, what I desire for you. And I believe that recipe has three key ingredients, okay? And those ingredients, I believe, are still relevant for us today. And we're just going to go through them um, because I believe they will help us to possess all that God has for us as well. So three three key ingredients in that recipe we read, be strong and courageous and so on. So the first one, the first one is this, be strong and very courageous. <laughs> that's, that's, the first, that's the first ingredient of, you know, for, to succeed. God instructed Joshua, you know, we, as we read, very, you know, very clearly. Uh, he said, be strong and very courageous. And why was that? Why did, and he repeated it a few times. Because he knew what was ahead. He, he knew the challenges Joshua would face. He knew, you know, there would be, you know, uh, walls of Jericho. There would, be, there would be giants. There would be, you know... Um, even maybe discouragement or disappointment on the way. He knew there would be fierce battles with, you know, all those nations, you know, the principalities and powers there, 
you know, all these Amorites and Jebusites, and those represent demons, by the way. <laughs> um, so God was, telling, what God was telling Joshua, prepare your mind, yeah? Fortify your mind. Uh, put on that mentality of, of, a, of, a, of a warrior, of, of a winner, of a victor. Put aside, you know, um, a victim mentality. You know, get, get yourself ready. You know, go in there, you know, you know prepare, prepare for what you're going to get, okay? Um, and this was exactly the mindset, this was exactly the mindset that, uh, that David had when he faced Goliath or before he faced Goliath. Um, when he saw Goliath the first time, do you know what David did? Because Goliath was out there, you know, threatening and, you know, booming his threats, you know, and, and making a loud noise. Do you know what David, what, when David saw him, everybody else was running away. David said, said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, that's in 1 Samuel 17, 26, if you want to reference. So even though Goliath was the giant, David was looking down on him. As far as he was concerned, he was the, he was the midget. <laughs> um, so, and, and before he confronted David in the battle, listen, listen to what he said in verse, uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse, verse 46. He says this, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. That's the heart of a warrior. That's the heart of, you know, somebody who is a champion, an overcomer. You know? Scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David was speaking what was in his heart. You know, he, you know, he was like, um, yeah, he, the Bible says in First Corinthians 131, it says, let anyone who boasts, boast in the Lord. So David was magnifying God and putting the enemy in his place. You know, he was declaring the greatness, the power, the might, you know, the strength of God over his enemy. Okay? And as covenant, new covenant people of God, that's the mindset, you know, God wants us to have as well. Um, that no matter how high the war, no matter how big the giant, no matter how, how, how fearful or, or terrifying, you know, the problem or whatever it is. Like David, God wants us to be able to say, you are going down. You are going down. You are going down. You know, in Jesus' name. Because greater is he that is in me than greater than anything else out there. Whatever you are, whatever you call yourself. Praise God. Second Timothy 1 verse 7. Doesn't, it's not in this notes, but I just mentioned that here. It says this. For the spirit of God, for the spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Um, it doesn't matter how strong an armor yeah, is. If the person wearing the armor, who's putting on the armor, is, is timid and cowardly. Yeah, you can have, you know, the strongest, you know, armor, put, you put on the strongest armor over you. But if you're strong, sorry, if you're cowardly or timid, it won't help you much against the enemy. Because maybe the enemy will still intimidate you. You won't move. You won't be able to, you know, go for You'll be there with the armor, but you won't go forward. Um, and maybe, like I said, maybe even push you over or something. So for the armor to be effective, we have to have the courage and mindset, you know, to go with it. <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, you know the, uh, the mindset of a winner. Philippians 4 verse 13, listen to this. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens. That's the, that's the language of, of somebody who knows they're an overcomer, or somebody who knows they're a winner, or somebody who knows, you know, um, 
their champion. I can do all things, praise God, through him who strengthens me. First John 5, 4 and 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus, you believe that, you know, uh, he's the Son of God, and you, have put, you are an overcomer. Amen. If you're born of God, praise God. John 16, verse 33. I have told you, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Some versions say, take courage. I have overcome the world. So that's the first key that God, um, I believe, uh, the first ingredient that God gave in that recipe of success. The second one is this, a strong affinity to the word of God. A strong affinity to the word. So this was a rather very clear instruction that God gave Joshua. He says, be careful to obey all the law. Um, I think it's verse, verse 9 or something. Yes, that's right, verse, verse 7 and 8, yeah. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the, to the left, right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So, so the book of the law was God's revelation to, um, to, uh, to his, that was available to his people at that time. It was the manual that God gave them to live by. You know, so God was basically instructing Joshua to align himself with that manual uh, in order to get the successful outcome he wanted to have. You know, because in that manual, manual, God had given them signposts. He had given them warnings. He had given them you know, best practice you know, to follow, to, uh, to give them, like I said, you know, the, 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 um, the results they want. For instance, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it's not there, I didn't put that there, but it says this, I have said before you life and death, blessings and crosses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. So it was all in that manual that God gave them. If you read Deuteronomy 28, <laughs> you see a list of all the blessings and all the crosses if you do this, you know. You're blessed in the city, you're blessed. So God, God wanted them to choose to make the right choices, but he gave them, like I said, you know, this is how you do it, this is what you do. And um, the Holy Spirit gave me an analogy a while ago to help me understand this better. And it's like if you're going on an adventure quest, yeah, and um, somebody gives you a map of how to get from where you are to where you want to be, okay, and that map um, not only just gives you directions, but it tells you places to avoid. So it says, oh, that place that's going to be that particular area, you know, it gives you the coordinates of the area. That's going to be a, uh, uh, there's some, like, a, like a swamp or landmines or quicksand or something. You know, so it tells you, you know, where there's hidden dangers, okay? And then it also tells you, um, the places where you can get refreshments, you know, on your journey on, you know, to, to get to where you're going to. It gives you uh, where you can, where there's an oasis or something. Uh, it tells you where you can go to get treatment or where you can go and get a good nice rest, you know, you know, bread and breakfast or something. So all that information is in the map, yeah? And then you leave for, your, uh, for that adventure quest and you forget the map. Uh, or you lose it along the way somewhere. You can see it's, gonna, it's not going to end well, is it? <laughs> so, so, so God was basically telling Joshua, don't lose the map. Okay, the map, the map is going to tell you where you need to go. And make sure you, keep, you know, keep it closed and check it regularly, you know, so you can make sure you're on the right track. 
Um, I'm going to read Matthew 7 now. This is Jesus' sermon on the mount. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It's not there on the note, sorry. Um, so just please listen. Therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So that tells us as people of God, we must consciously and meticulously build our lives upon the, you know, the rock of the word of God. That is the only way of blessing. That is the only way of blessing. We, you know, you, there's no shortcuts. Um, and if we have deviated, then we need to get back on track as, as soon as possible. You know, um, God, God won't, you know, change his mind. <laughs> we have to align ourselves, you know, to the way he says. Um, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And then he says this in verse 17. So that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is such an important ministry of the word of God in our lives. It equips us. It equips the sense. Yeah? It gives us, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the ammunition we need, you know. Um, in Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Yeah? So God wants us to be like, uh, I said, spiritual ninjas. You know? <laughs> when it comes, you know, with the word of God. Uh, I, was, uh, I was thinking about it. Uh, some of you may remember some of these uh, action heroes. Rambo. Anybody remember Rambo? Spiritual, spiritual Rambos now. Or, uh, or, or Schwarzenegger. I don't know. Commando, Commando, yes. That's another. It was, uh, yeah, my time. More recently, there are more recent action heroes now. Uh, but, yeah. So, any other, any other action hero you can think of that is like special forces trained, armed, and dangerous to the enemy? That's God wants us to be in the spiritual realm, you know, in the spiritual equivalent of it. You know, like, yeah. A, uh, Jedi. <laughs> yeah. In, the, in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So, so it can have an effect in the spiritual realm, the word of God. And like I said, when we use it like a, like a lightsaber, <laughs> uh, it can cut the enemy. It can cut him down. It can, it can, it can, if we use it skillfully, and it can do damage to him. So God, God said to Joshua, don't just know the word in your heart, you know, but let it be also released from your lips, you know, because it says the word of God will not return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which God sent it. Cool. We're out of time. Uh, the, last, the last ingredient, okay, and this is probably the most important one that he gave to Joshua was what I've called be at home in the presence of God. Okay. Verse 9 of where we read, Joshua 1 verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? Um, you know, Moses did great things for God as a leader because he was someone who was at home in the presence of God. In Exodus 33 verse 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And he will come out of 
you know, uh, meeting with God, and his face will be radiant. Yeah, there was a residue of God's glory on his face because he has spent time with God. But do you know what? The people, you know, around him were uncomfortable with that. Yeah? And they tried to, you know, they were afraid, you know, when his face was glowing like that. And so Moses had to put a veil over his face, you know, to, um, you know, just so that they could be more comfortable around him. So we have the people who are comfortable, who are at home in the presence of God, and not merely visitors. So, so, I mean, Moses knew the value of the presence of God in his life and ministry. And that's why he said in Exodus chapter 3, 15 and 16, he said, to, he said to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. He said, what else would distinguish me between and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? So in other words, without God's presence, we, we are ordinary, we are, we, are, we are common, nothing special. But with God's presence, we are extraordinary. Amen. We become extraordinary. Um, as New Testament believers, we have this privilege that we can enjoy the presence of God every day and everywhere, you know, because God lives in us by his spirit. Praise God. You know, he has given us, you know, the spirit of sonship and adoption. You know, the Holy Spirit, you know, is our seal, a living seal that lives in us. Um, but the next level, if you like, is that we now need to live in him. Okay? So it's not quite the same thing. God living in us and we living in him. It's not quite the same thing. Because God can live in us, and yet we can ignore him. <laughs> we can not acknowledge him, you know, and, and, and live our lives as if he's not there. Don't pay him any attention at all. So, so living in him is like walking in that consciousness that God is in us and with us. And it's the art of practicing that presence of God, you know, constantly. Hebrews 4 verse, Hebrews 4 verse 16 says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, so there's an approach, there's a coming to, there's an, like, like an effort on our part, if you like. You know, we have to approach him. You know, we have to, you know, you know go to, the, 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 the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Okay, so as redeemed children of God, we have, like I said, direct, unlimited and constant access to the very throne room of God. And when we choose to live, you know, before him, there are so many awesome benefits. So many awesome benefits. It says in Psalm 97 verse 5, the, mountain, the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. So mountains of fear, mountains of depression, mountains of shame, whatever it is, guilt, whatever it is, the Bible says they melt, they dissipate, they dissolve, you know, like wax in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. So we have to make the most of this, you know, awesome privilege we have. Don't, don't, don't keep away from God. You know, go to him. And there is joy in his presence. There is joy in his presence. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The Father beckons us to come. That's protection. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise God. Um, and I've got two... Uh, it's all right, I've finished. <laughs> I've finished anyway. I've finished anyway. Um, so these are the thoughts that God, you know, I believe wants us to hear this morning, to encourage us, you know, um, like I said, to, to know and to believe that there is so much, 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 much more he has for us. Wherever you are now, you know, don't think, you know, yeah, God can use me or God can. God has lots more, lots more, bigger plans, bigger plans than you can imagine for your life and for my life. 
um, and he, he wants us to desire, you know, to step into all that he has for us in Christ. Because like we said, he's, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly further we can ask or imagine. So, so let's not be people who settle for less, but we are motivated. We are motivated to, you know, to possess, you know, our promised land, our, 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 our land of promise, you know, in Jesus' name. Amen.